0: Friends, welcome back to the Making It in the Messy Middle podcast. My name is Kate, and I'm so grateful that you're here with us today. I just can't wait to see how we're going to grow together. Hey, friends. Uh, welcome back. Um, it has been a really long time since I've gotten the opportunity and the chance to record a podcast, and I will be 100% honest with you, I was really scared to start back, Um I, it has been a bumpy roller coaster of a journey um, on this podcast, and I have put out some things that I regret putting out into the world through a podcast. Um, and so part of me wanted to just like s- s- wipe the slate clean, you know, and just completely redo everything about this podcast and make it go away um, and just start from scratch. But part of me also knows that there may be some people out there who can benefit from the knowledge that it's a roller coaster. Um, and they they might can sit through those podcasts that, you know, were heavier and not what I feel like now I should have put out into the world. And they can be like, I get that. Um, and then when they see... This podcast, you know, which I feel like is going a different direction, which I'm hoping to take in a different direction and explore new avenues, I'm hoping that they can see that as a, okay, there is a turn in the journey. It it doesn't have to be the pitfall moments that we're stuck in. So I wanted to continue from where I am and I want to let people know who have been listening um, that I'm so grateful that you have stuck with me because you have, you have given me Um, Mountains and mountains of unmerited grace uh, throughout this podcast, throughout the ups and downs, throughout just all these things that have happened um, that I was struggling in as I was recording and you've just stuck with me through all of it. And I cannot tell you how grateful I am for that grace, for that listening ear that you gave me. I have had a lot of new listeners to this podcast, even just recently, which I, I don't really understand because um, I haven't made anything new, and yet I have these new people. And I want to tell you, if you're new, I'm grateful that you're here. Um, I'm excited that you're joining us on this journey. If you have been here from the very beginning, thank you. Uh, I am so excited and and grateful and just... just so excited that you have stayed with me through this. Um, it shows a lot of care on your part and it shows just what kind of person that you are. So I appreciate, I appreciate all of you. Um, So I want to give a, a second of a life update. I recently got a new job. Um, I now work at a domestic violence shelter in, um, I, I work in the crisis line. And what I do is I work at this crisis line, taking calls um, from, you know, people who have experienced some form of domestic violence. I work with them on what they want their next steps to be, whether that be coming to our shelter and then um, going from there, whether that be a safety plan, whether that be, you know, just whatever it is that they need in that moment, we work, we work with what they want to do, giving them some of their power back. And then I also work some, Uh, in shelter with these clients um, as I see them, you know, on a daily basis. So it's, it's a crazy stressful job, but it is the most rewarding job I've ever had in my life. Um, It is the greatest job that I've ever had in my life. I, I am so grateful that I get to see all the facets that I get to see and all the, you know, nooks and crannies of all of this work, whether it be with survivors of domestic violence or whether it be working with survivors of domestic violence, because there's just so much to all of this. And so I am getting to see a lot of different sides and I'm, I'm just very grateful. And so, like I said, I work the crisis line and I am sometimes the first voice that anyone hears. Uh, when they, when they call in, my voice is sometimes, The first voice that they get to tell their story to. And something that I hear really often is, I cannot believe that I let them do this. Or, I just, I should have known better. Or, I mean, this is what I get for going back, right? These are the voices of shame. Uh, And the people that I work with, the people that I talk to, um, the people that I get the chance to get to know they carry a lot of shame um and for for a really long time i thought that the shame lied in what they think they quote unquote let happen to them um and what they th- you know how they perceived themselves because maybe they saw themselves as a victim um and couldn't see themselves as anything else or because they saw themselves as you know, quote unquote, asking for it in some way. And so I thought for a really long time that that is where the shame lie. Um, because in, in some ways in my own personal life um, with different things, that has been occasionally where my shame comes from. But the other day in my own personal reflection, I, I realized it is just so much more complicated than that. Domestic violence is this crazy, awful, unfairly common phenomenon, okay? It it doesn't just come from physical violence, but from things like emotional violence, verbal violence, financial violence, and so much more. When people think of domestic violence, so often they think of, you know, a man hitting his wife or girlfriend or someone who yells obscenities and breaks things at every inconvenience and just never shows any kind of sympathy or mercy. But a lot of times what people fail to think of is the more subtle, you know, whether it be the lies that someone tells about another person's reality or, you know, intentionally pushing someone over the edge uh, in a crowd so they look crazy in front of all these people. Or the texts, you know, that come begging for somebody to leave their friends and come home because they just can't live, you know, without you. Uh, and just, just so much more that we can't get into all on here. Um, and, and something else that people also fail to realize is that a perpetrator is rarely all bad. Oftentimes, you know, they know exactly how far they can push someone before needing to back off. And and they know exactly what buttons are completely off limits and, and what buttons they can push just enough times. They can be the most charming, um, and, and even the kindest person ever, you know, on more than one occasion. Um, and so it it's just It's also a matter of knowing just what lies to tell someone so that they think that they're predators, so that they think that you are the only one who will ever love them. And they will say it in the kindest of ways. They'll say things like, I know you're a lot, and for a lot of people you're too much, but for the right people, for me, you're not too much. I would never leave you like they have, like they would. Um... And so I I can't just sit here and go into all the multiple facets of what domestic violence is like in this podcast. It's a very complex issue with a million variables and a multiplicity of realities. Um, and, And what that means is that you can never truly understand the reality of domestic violence. Um, Even if you've lived it, you won't fully understand your neighbor's experience. You know, even if you work in the field, you'll never truly and completely know the reality of every survivor that you get the opportunity to work with. You know, we can have a much needed empathy and a longing to understand, but we'll never be able to walk in everybody's shoes. We only have so many feet and so much time, right? So these next couple of episodes, I kind of want to talk a little bit about some of what domestic violence is, some facets of domestic violence, um, and and some ways that, you know, we can, we can help. Um, because that is the messy middle, you know, that a lot of people are living in. So today's episode, um, I want to look at shame. One of the absolute most powerful tools in a perpetrator's belt is shame. Uh, and, and the most dangerous thing that they do with that shame is they manipulate it to suit their purpose. You know, they can shame someone um, to keep them doing exactly what they want them to do, to keep somebody in their clutches. You know, they may push someone to do something that they aren't comfortable with and use that against them by saying, well, you did this. You know, what would everybody think if they knew? They may hurt someone and then remind them that, you know, you deserved what you got. And if anybody knew, you know, what, what you had done, they would think that, that you deserved what you got. Then there's like this more passive form, like the shame of letting, you know, quote unquote, letting someone isolate you as much as they have. Um, And then that shame drives the fear, you know, that, oh, I've, I've driven everybody off and, and I don't know what to do. And that just causes you not to reach out. And then there's this shame that I didn't, you know, reach out earlier. Um, but something that I had not thought about until recently in my own, you know, personal reflection is a different kind of shame. And that's the shame of begging someone to stay. Begging someone to just not leave and and apologizing for not complying with their demands. There is an Olivia Rodrigo song um, <laughs> and it's called... Favorite Crime, and there's a line in this song that says, All the things I did, just so I could call you mine. Uh, When I was kicked out by the person who was abusing me, I recorded and sent to her a 14-minute-long plea uh, for her to take me back and, and apologizing for not doing something that she had demanded of me as a condition of her love. And I mean, when I think of that recording and the day that I realized, oh, she opened that and she chose to still ignore me, um, I I still feel really sick to my stomach. I get a really panicked feeling um, and there's just this rush of shame and hurt that just comes over me all over again. And what I've learned in my work is that this is not something that is individual to me. You know, many survivors of domestic violence have had moments of apologizing, moments of begging. I mean, after all, that person is someone that they love, someone that they have spent a lot of time building a relationship with, and someone that they don't think it would be possible to live without. You know, many women come to our work, they look like just shells of the amazing humans that they are. They miss the person who was hurting them, they miss their touch because it wasn't always harmful. They they miss their voice because it always wasn't always lying or loud. They miss this illusion that things can be okay because that person can spin a web better than anyone on the outside would ever realize. And they miss the security of familiarity because now everything is just scary and new when home was just scary, it wasn't new. So, they feel Then, shame for the missing. How can I miss someone when people are saying they're so bad? How can I explain to someone that some days they were the only thing in the world I thought I needed? How can I explain that the feeling of their arms is all that I want to comfort me right now in this scary moment? It's this extremely isolating feeling that leads to even more shame and then even more isolation. And that shade leads to silence instead of speaking out. That shame leads to this hatred of yourself. It leads you right back to the person who was hurting you. I say all of this to say, you know, to help you get a glimpse of some of the realities that many people face so that you can hear A, that I have been there and the next words I say are not empty, and B, Hear that things are never as black and white as they may seem. So, so how do you move through that shame? Brené Brown says that the only way shame can survive is in silence, judgment, and secrecy. If you are heaping silence and judgment on your sh- on yourself, that shame is just like in a petri dish and all it can do is grow. And she says that the only way to kill shame is with empathy. And I will say this, from experience, it is almost impossible to give yourself empathy if you have never experienced it from someone else. If you are steeped in secrecy and in silence and constantly judging yourself and every feeling that arises, how is it possible for you to let in any type of empathetic light? So that leads us to step one, share. It feels impossible, and at the beginning, it, it just feels like you'll be judged even more. I mean, after all, if, if you hate yourself for it, won't everybody else hate you for it? So, share it with someone you trust. Uh, as Brene Brown says, someone who has earned the right to hear your story. Share it with someone you already know to be a kind-hearted person. Someone that has, you know been there with you in other moments or has spent time trying to be with you in in moments because they they know that you needed someone um and and maybe that needs to be a professional maybe it's a therapist or a crisis line worker and you know what that's okay they are there for you um you know they will show you the empathy that you are craving uh and they they know how to give it to you so that they can then help you show that that empathy to yourself. So that leads us to step two. Speak kindly to yourself. When you feel yourself judging your own feelings, I want you to decide to notice your feelings instead. Don't judge it. Just notice it just see it see that shame and tell it hey hey I, I see you okay anxiety hey I, I feel you I, I know that you're being really loud right now and, and, I, and I understand that you're there but then say but today you do not get to win maybe you're like me and you need to write out a script of what you will say to yourself when you start to feel certain emotions that commonly hijack your day so that you're prepared. You already know, all right, this is what I'm going to say when I feel shame about this. You know, this is what I'm going to say when I start to feel angry and I, I judge my anger and I'm just going to speak kindly to myself the way that I would speak to someone that I love, the way that I would speak to a child. Um, you know, sometimes that sounds like, Hey, I notice you I see you it's gonna be okay all right we're gonna get through this and it sounds really silly at first talking to yourself like that but you are giving yourself the empathetic voice that you need okay so speak kindly just whatever works for you speak kindly to yourself then step three move through to the next right thing yes You feel every single emotion inside of you, all of them at once, and they are just trying to take over. But now you've noticed the emotion. You've told it that you see it. You understand it's being loud. And yet you have a life to lead. So now, do the next thing. Now, only you know what your next right thing is. Maybe it's taking a nap, going for a walk, calling a friend, eating, brushing your teeth, taking your medication. Whatever it is, enter into that next thing with the same kindness and empathy that we've been using with steps one and two. Shame does not get to win. And then, you know, like they say, wash, rinse, repeat, right? Repeat these steps as often as you need to, every time. Okay, there will be days when those emotions are so much louder than others. And then there will be days where the next thing you do wasn't the ne- the right thing to do. That's okay. Pick yourself up and repeat. Keep moving through. That's the key word. Okay, through. Some days that movement will be harder and slower than others. And other days, you'll you'll feel the mountaintop strides that you're making. So don't let one bad day keep you in that shame cycle. Now, everybody's got shame. For some, it may not be linked to domestic violence, but I want you to know that that these steps will still work for you. These steps are the ones that I've had to learn the hard way, and they're the ones that I can advocate work, okay? Don't let the unkind voice in your head be the loudest voice. When it shouts, shout louder. Kindly. But shout louder, okay? It does not deserve to win the battle. It does not even deserve to just take your entire day. You get to win this. You get to speak kindly to yourself. You get to see these emotions. Let them be in the room. Notice them. And move through. Another big and important thing to remember is you can be that empathetic listener. You can be somebody's first step. When someone shares their story with you, do not let judgment leave your mouth or show on your face, okay? Hear what they say with empathy and as a desire to understand. It may not be something you've experienced, but it's something that you can hear and have a heart for someone who has gone through it. Your reaction to someone's story could be the thing that keeps them out of that pit of shame, or it could be the thing that keeps them there. So listen more than you speak. Hear what they're saying without thinking that you have to fix it. Okay, their reality is far more important than your comfort in this moment. The only thing they may need to hear from you is the phrase, I hear you. That's a lot, and I'm sorry that happened to you. Give them the ear and the empathy they need, not the quick fix that you think they need. So, Let's step into these, you know, next few days with love in our hearts and light in our eyes. Okay? Don't let shame win and keep you in that pit. Know that you're never alone and that regardless of what you've been told, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are someone who deserves to be heard, okay? I want to give you the National Domestic Violence Hotline. If you are someone who has been through this, who is going through this, and you would like to seek help, and you know that it is time to do that, give a call to 800-799-7233. Again, that's 800-799-7233. Or you can text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788. Okay? It's a brave step to make, and I know that you've got this. Keep on, friends.